Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, hello. 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 <laughs> um, I just, uh, I wanted to say that this is my very favorite episode ever, except for Swan Song. I don't know which one I like better. I like them in different ways, Rochelle. How can you choose between two perfect episodes? <laughs> I mean, I like this one. I don't know. I don't know if I could pick like a top. I think, mm, I think the French mistake is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's in my top five. Yeah, for sure. I do love that one. I this one, I think I think maybe because I do read fan fiction, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that I really felt, you know, called out in a good way, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I don't write fan fiction because I'm not, you know, creative in, in any way. But, but like, yeah, it just it really kind of like touches on all the things that like the fandom questions and wonders and you know what I mean yeah. so it's a, lot, it's a lot of fan service obviously and yeah I yeah appreciate that yeah so <laughs> yeah okay so uh season 10 episode 5 called fan fiction so we start out with um some stage curtains opening uh on the set a young lady I okay for real is this a high school or is this a college it's Do a high know? school okay because I don't feel like they ever actually say that if it's a principal, because they talk about the principal oh, later. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Not, okay. You have, like, a, oh, yeah. what's the word that I'm looking for? A president at a college and a principal right. at a high school. Okay. We're at an all-girls high school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where are we? <laughs> Where are we? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Okay. A young lady is reading on a couch on the stage. The lights start flickering, and some uh, spooky music starts to play. The actress says, oh, no, whatever could that be? <laughs> and then a uh, a fake sheet ghost falls from the ceiling. <laughs> the actress screams. And then through a fake door, uh, Sam, played by a girl named Maggie. Wait, is that right? Is that Maggie? Okay. I'm going to keep going. I don't, I don't yeah, remember. <laughs> I, yeah, Maggie. Okay. And uh, Dean, played by a girl named Siobhan, appear on stage. Uh, Dean Siobhan says, ghost? meet Winchester and then the director named Marie yells cut the camera turns around and we see Marie and her assistant Maeve uh, and the drama teacher Mrs. Chandler sitting in the audience Marie says Maggie Siobhan is this some kind of joke to you Siobhan this scene takes place before the ends the events of Carver Edlund's unpublished masterpiece Dark Side of the Moon Siobhan says so Marie says meaning where is the Samulet Siobhan says, oh, and then she takes off her wig. She says, I took it off. It kept hitting me. That's not what she says. She says, it kept hitting me in the lips. And Marie says, that amulet is a symbol of the Winchester's brotherly love. You need to take one for the team. <laughs> Siobhan says, do it. <laughs> Siobhan says, look, I'm just here for the college credit. Marie gasps in disbelief and says, how dare you? Okay, and that, I just got to say that that reminded me a lot of the whole Marshawn Lynch thing. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So Marie pushes Siobhan, who pushes her back. Uh, I mean, I guess I'd get in a fist fight over Supernatural. 
Am I at that point in my life? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I, I guess, I don't know that I would get in a fist fight with anybody over anything. I, <laughs> I feel like I would too, get but... more amused than anything if they got that worked up about it. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. You know, like, yeah, I know. You realize that this is all fake, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Is it entertaining? For sure. Is it one of my favorite shows? Yes. Am I going to fist fight you over it? No, I'm just going to laugh at you, probably. <laughs> I feel like this means I'm going to try and fist fight you, and you're going to laugh at me. And then I'm going to take a swing, but you're just going to put your arm out and on my head, and I won't be able to reach you. you know? <laughs> that would be an easy way to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could do this. I mean, not actually fight, but like make that a picture, and Eric could just take the like, picture. There, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, where am I? Okay. Uh, Mrs. Chandler says, Hey people. Hey, okay. I've got, I've got three weeks of this crap show and I'm done. There's too much drama in the drama department. I'm going to principal Salazar in the morning. Marie says, no, no, Mrs. Chandler, please. Mrs. Chandler says it's over Marie. Uh, so Mrs. Chandler stops, stomps out. Marie <laughs> turns around to face her actresses and says, all right, everyone back to one. Until we are all suspended, the show must go on. So show can... must go on! <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of Moulin Rouge. I know that's a cover of, that they do in that show. Isn't it? I don't Queen that sings that, right? I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mur, 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 mur. Okay. So we cut to Miss Chandler leaving the school. She is talking on her cell phone. She says, why couldn't they just do Godspell like good little skanks? Instead, it's this awful, unbelievable horror story. She takes a drink from her flask and says, like, that stuff really happens. Uh, theater is about life, you know? Truth. Where is the truth in Supernatural? And then a noise coming from some bushes catches her attention. She tries to see what it is when suddenly some branches uh, grab her. Sorry, my notes are weird here. They grab her and pull her into the bush. <laughs> it's all like tree-ish bush. I don't know. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> so her phone falls to the ground and so does a purple flower. Uh, so we cut back to Marie and Maeve inside the theater. Maeve is showing Marie a title card that says Supernatural with like lit bulbs around it. Marie considers it and then says... I mean, it's close, but it just, it needs a little more. And then, <laughs> and then we got our opening title sequence, which that is our opening title sequence, kind of. Yeah. I like Well, that. the opening title sequence is like, they show all of the they opening title all. sequences mm -hmm. from like the whole. Every everything. single one they've ever done. Even the yeah. Metatron one. Ugh. I know. I know. I said that. I was like, why? Why do we need to do that? We didn't need to do that. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we cut to Dean working on baby. Um, He's listening to um, the song Sundown by Gordon Lightfoot, which I love that song. So I just needed to point that out. <laughs> uh, I should probably put that on my, my Supernatural playlist. Um, <clears throat> so Sam comes out of their motel room. Dean says, hey. Sam says, hey, how long you been up? Dean says, long enough to find us a case. Sam says, long enough to, I take it that means you're feeling back to normal. Dean says, yeah, whatever normal is in our world. So, huh, right here. And he takes out a newspaper to show Sam. He says, a teacher in an all-girls school went missing in Flint, Michigan. She was heading to her car, disappeared, and no one's seen her since. Sam says, Dean, there's nothing here that even remotely suggests there is a case. 
Dean says, there is nothing that even remotely suggests there isn't a case. <laughs> he wants to go to an all-girls school. <laughs> he sure does. Yep. <laughs> Sam says, come on, man. Dean says, Sam, out there, hunting, it's the only normal I know. They look at each other, and then Dean puts his rifle in baby's trunk. He says, we got work to do. And then he closes the trunk. Uh, so we cut to the boys driving uh, to the girls' school. Uh, Dean stops the car. Sam is finishing up a phone call. He says, yeah, of course. Yeah, I certainly appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, officer. He hangs up, and they get out of the car. Um, Sam says to Dean, so the last place Miss Chandler was seen by anyone was in the auditorium. Turns out she's a drama teacher. Dean says, ugh, theater kids. Great. <laughs> Sam says, what? I was a theater kid. Dean says, barely. You did Our Town, which was cool, but then you did that crappy musical. Sam says that Oklahoma? Hugh Jackman got cast off Oklahoma. Dean says, you ran tech, Wolverine. <laughs> Sam says, shut up. <laughs> so a sign at the entrance of the school reads, Supernatural, the musical. Uh, but the boys don't notice it. Uh, so Sam and Dean go inside. Principal Salazar leads them to the auditorium. The principal says, if you gentlemen need anything else, let me know. Sam says, great. Thanks, Ms. Sal Salazar. Blah, blah, blah. Salazar. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, while they go into the theater, they hear something familiar. A young actress, a young actress. Wow. I'm just going to make sure happy. <laughs> I'm out. It just won't do it. It won't do the thing, you know, with the words and the, and the language. It's all good. I've had that happen many times. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> my, part, I mean, it, I, my reading will not go better. <laughs> I, can yeah, I know. Yeah. I just, we haven't done this in a little while. Like, it's been a week or so. And, like, I'm just like, what is happening? I apparently can't read wrong. my writing. Yeah, everything is wrong and weird. Okay. Okay. So, a actress uh, nearby. This is uh, actress Bobby. She says, you, idiots. You, idiots. You are idiots. <laughs> Dean looks at Sam uh, in confusion, but then they hear something else. An actress named Kristen is dressed up like Castiel, wings and all. She's holding a fake Holy Fire Molotov cocktail. Uh, Kristen Castiel says, hey, Asput! Hey, Asput! And then suddenly, <laughs> a few notes are played on a piano, and Siobhan, dressed as Dean, starts to sing. Uh, I'm not going to sing this. Uh, just so you know, I, I can sing this. I, I know all the words. <laughs> but, um, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> if, I, if I commit to singing this song, I have to sing all the other songs. And there is one song that I just cannot sing. It's just too high, high pitched. And it, it's, not, it's not good. I tried. Eric was like, yeah. And I was like, mm. so I'm just going to read the lyrics to this one. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Siobhan Dean sings John and Mary, husband and wife, bringing home a brand new life. His name is Sammy. I'm Big Brother Dean. The perfect family, or so it seems. The demon's visits have begun. He believed Sam was the chosen one. It burned my mother and it cursed my brother, leaving us in tears. On the road so far. Yeah, the road so far. <laughs> we are in dad's car. Okay. And then uh, Marie yells, cut. Marie goes on the stage to direct. Uh, meanwhile, Sam and Dean are trying to deal with whatever they just saw. <laughs> just like, what in the hell is happening right now? Yeah. Dean <laughs> says, what in the holy? Sam says, if there, is the, if there is a case, it probably has something to do with all of this. Dean says, you think? 
Maeve sees Sam and Dean dressed in their FBI suits and goes to tell Marie. Maeve says, publisher? Uh, Marie runs over to Sam and Dean, followed by Maeve. On the stage, uh, Siobhan complains to Maggie. Siobhan says, Maggie, Marie just never stops. Maggie says, I know, you were great. Marie uh, reaches the boys and says, hi, oh my gosh, are you from the publisher? I'm Marie, writer slash director. This is Maeve, my stage manager. And I was just, uh, uh, she stops when uh, Sam holds up his FBI badge. Dean tries to show her his own badge, but then Sam sees the actress who plays Sam, the actresses who play Sam and Dean are doing the same on the stage. So he stops Dean. Sam says, I'm Special Agent Smith. This is my partner, Special Agent. Dean says, Smith. <laughs> Sam says, Smith, no relation. Uh, we're here to look into the disappearance. Dean interrupts by yelling, there is no singing in Supernatural. <laughs> He's mad. <laughs> uh, Maeve and Marie look very confused. Maeve says, well, this is Marie's interpretation. Dean says, ha, well, I mean, if there was singing, you know, and that's a big if. If there was singing, it would be classic rock. Not this Andrew Floyd Weber crap. Sam says, Andrew Lloyd Weber. Dean says, what? Marie says, well, you know, we do sing a cover of Carry On Wayward Son in the second act. Dean says, oh. Sam says, really? Marie and Dean together say, it's a classic. <laughs> Sam <laughs> says, right. Anyway, we're here to talk about the disappearance of Miss Chandler. Any chance you two saw her before she vanished? Marie says, uh, yeah, she left around, like, what, 9.30? Sam says, any idea where she would be headed at that time of night? Maeve says, a bar or a liquor store? Both? Sam says, wow, really? Mar Marie says, she had a nasty divorce last year. Most of the time, she's sipping on her uh, grown-up juice or passed out, usually in that order. Dean says, yeah, well, I don't blame her. I'm going to need 50 yellow shots and a hose down to get this stink off me. The stink off me? I wrote stink. I think I meant stink. <laughs> I think you meant stink, stink too. Off me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Maeve does not look happy. Sam says, Maeve, right? You're the stage manager? Maeve says, and I understudy Jody Mills. Dean says, what? Sam says, that's great. That's great. Uh, Jody Mills. That's great. So how about you give a behind the scenes tour while your director shows my partner, Mrs. Chandler's office. Deal? Uh, the girls nod. Sam says, great. Give us a moment, please. Murray says, okay. Um, so the girls start to walk away. Dean says to Sam, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Maeve hears this and throws a nasty look over her shoulder at Dean while walking back to the stage. Sam says, I mean, I got to say, it's kind of charming. The production value and the, uh, but he stops when he sees Dean's what the fuck look. <laughs> Sam says, no, 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 I'm going to check for EMF. You look for cursed objects. So Sam walks away. Dean follows Marie and sees a table of fake, fake weapons. There's a sign on the wall that says Harvell's. Dean says, how did you get all this stuff? Marie says, some parts homemade, some parts repurposed. All of it, awesome. Dean tries out the fake rifle. Uh, Marie rushes over and takes it away from him and says, don't, please, don't. <laughs> Dean then sees Siobhan and Maggie rehearsing a scene. Uh, they're leaning against uh, the fake baby and standing pretty close together. Dean says, what are they doing? 
Marie says, oh, uh, they're rehearsing the BM scene. <laughs> Jane says, the bowel movement scene? <laughs> this is my very favorite thing right there. <laughs> Marie says, no, the boy melodrama scene. Uh, Dean looks really confused. Marie says, you know, the scene where the boys get together and they're they're driving or leaning against baby, drinking a beer, sharing their feelings. The two of them alone, but together, bonded, united, the power of brotherly. Dean interrupts by asking, why are they standing so close together? <laughs> He's like, it's not okay. I'm not okay with any of this. <laughs> Marie says, um, reasons? Dean says, you know they're brothers, right? Marie says, well, duh, but subtext. <laughs> Dean yells to the girls, why don't you take some subsets? Sub- I can't say this word. Why don't you take some substeps back there, ladies? Okay, that was my Dean voice. Um, so Siobhan and Maggie look at Marie uh, and then awkwardly take some steps away from each other. So we cut to uh, the sound and lights room. Maeve is slowly, no, that's not the word. Maeve is showing uh, Sam around. Sam says, now, have you noticed anything strange during the production? I mean, any odd noises or Maeve says, you mean something like this? She pushes a button and we hear a scream. She says, or perhaps this. She pushes another button and we hear a hissing sound. Sam says, right, of course. Maeve says, how about this? She pushes another button, but Sam she's says... She's a smart ass. <laughs> I know, she is. She is. I actually really like her, because she's, like, she always has kind of a stoic, like, look on her face. Kind of a, like, are you an idiot look, but she's got these, like, huge eyes that she just, like, <laughs> stares at you with. I don't know. Her whole her whole demeanor is is hilarious, I think. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Sam says, I got it. Thanks. You know, back when I did tech in school, we had two CD decks. Uh, but Maeve hears someone talking to her through her headset and says to Sam, I'm sorry, I have to go sign the delivery. Please don't touch anything. So she leaves. Uh, Sam can't resist and plays with the lights while <laughs> Siobhan and Maggie are on stage. They look at him and Sam says, sorry. Uh, Maggie and Siobhan look at each other amused. So we cut to Dean. Uh, Marie leads him to Miss Chandler's office. Dean looks at a bunch of empty liquor bottles and then finds a robot head on the desk. Dean says, is this hers? Marie says, no, that's a prop from act two. I've been looking for that, actually. Dean says, there's no space in Supernatural. (laughs) Marie says, well, not canonically, no, but this is transformative fiction. Dean smirks and says, you mean fan fiction. Marie says, call it whatever you like, okay? It's inspired by Carver Edlund's books with a few embellishments. But as you know, Chuck stopped writing after Swan Song. I just... I couldn't leave it the way it was. I mean, Dean not hunting anymore? Living with Lisa? Sam somehow back from hell, but not with Dean? So I wrote my own ending. Dean says, you wrote your own ending with spaceships? Marie says, and robots, and some ninjas. And then Dean becomes a woman. (laughs) Dean stares at her, and she says, it's just for a few scenes. Uh, Dean says, uh, oh, wait. Uh, So they walk back to the auditorium, and Dean says, all right, Shakespeare, you know that I can actually tell you what really happened with uh, Sam and Dean. A friend of mine hooked me up with the unpublished, unpublished books. So Sam came back from hell, but without a soul. Then Cass brought a bunch of leviathans in from purgatory. They lost Bobby. And then Cass and Dean got stuck in purgatory. Sam hit a dog. 
they met a prophet named Kevin. They lost him too. Then Sam underwent a series of trials in an attempt to close the gates of hell, which nearly cost him his life. Then Dean, Dean became a demon. Knight of hell, actually. Marie says, wow. Dean says, yep. Marie says, that is some of the worst fan fiction I have ever heard. <laughs> seriously, I don't know where your friend found this garbage. I'm not saying that ours is a masterpiece or anything, but geez, I'll have to send you some thick links later. <laughs> Dean sees Siobhan and Kristen, who are still wearing their Dean and cast costumes. They're kind of smooching and canoodling. <laughs> Dean says, what are they doing? <laughs> Marie says, kids these days call it hugging. <laughs> Dean says, is that in the show? Marie says, oh, no, Siobhan and Kristen are a couple in real life. Although we do explore the nature of Destiel in Act 2. <laughs> Dean says, sorry, what? Marie says, oh, it's just subtext. But then again, you know, you can't spell subtext without S-E-X. Dean stares at her for a sec and then looks right into the camera at us with a really look Like a what face. the? <laughs> yeah, not pleased, and he wants us to know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Which to me, I mean, that kind of disproves Destiel right then and there because he's like, I don't uh, go that way. no, I don't feel that way. No, no, don't agree. <laughs> so we cut to the boys walking to baby. Sam says, "I don't understand." Dean says, "Me neither." Sam says, "I mean, shouldn't it be Destiel?" <laughs> Dean says, "Really? That's your issue with this?" Sam smirks and says, no, of course it's not my issue. You know, how about Sastiel? Samstiel? Dean says, okay, all right, you know what? You're going to do that thing where you just shut the hell up forever. <laughs> and Sam laughs and says, look, man, no AMF, no hex bags. None of the props are even remotely hinky. Other than the Charlie Kaufman of it all, I got nothing. You? Dean says, in Miss Chandler's office, there's just a pile of empty bottles and regret. She's just probably face down in a bar somewhere or a ditch. All right. So what this, uh, this whole musical thing, everything it's, it's all a coincidence. There is no case. Sam says, unless you're seeing something I'm not, no Dean, there's no case here. Dean says, okay. Uh, Sam looks at him and asks, casting. Dean says, shut your face, get in the car. <laughs> So they get in baby and drive away. Uh, we cut to nighttime at the school. Uh, Marie follows Maggie out uh, into, uh, I said that weird. Marie follows Maggie outside. <laughs> Maggie is pissed. Uh, Marie says, Maggie, come on, please don't do this. Maggie says, everyone else is willing to follow your little dictatorship, but not me. I've been telling you all along, Marie, if it's not canon, then it shouldn't be in the show. You know, we should have done the outsiders like I told you. Uh, Maggie grabs her bike and is uh, and starts to roll it away. Marie says, just come back inside. We can make this work. Maggie says, I'm going to Principal Salazar's in the morning. Going to do what Miss Chandler was too drunk to finish. Maggie continues to walk away while Marie heads back inside. Suddenly, there is a scarecrow monster thing in Maggie's path. Uh, it grabs her and carries her away. Marie, who heard Maggie screaming, comes back outside just in time to see uh, the scarecrow and Maggie disappear behind a dumpster. Marie says, Maggie, Maggie. Marie runs over, but it's too late. Uh, Maggie is gone. I said that weird. <clears throat> it's too late. <laughs> okay. Maggie is <laughs> too gone. Late. <laughs> it's too late. Um, all that's left is her bike and a purple flower. So we cut to Sam and Dean back in the auditorium. 
uh, Dean walks over to Sam and says, so I checked with the principal. There's nothing on their surveillance tapes. What, uh, what do the cops think? Sam says, you know, the only clue they found was by the dumpster. They found the same flower near Mrs. Chandler's cell phone. Sam shows the flower to Dean and asks, do you recognize it? Dean says, no. Sam says, yeah, me neither. So the boys go over to Marie and Maeve. Uh, Marie looks pretty shaken. Sam says, hey. Marie says, let me guess. You guys came here to laugh at me too, right? Sam says, why don't you tell us what happened to your friend? Marie says, Maggie quit the show. She was trying to get it shut down, so we were fighting. Then she left, and I heard her scream, so I ran outside to help. And, and I saw a scarecrow. It looked just like the one from our show, but alive. Dean says, then what? Marie says, it wrapped her in vines and took her behind the dumpster. And then they were both just gone. So I called the cops, and a bunch of adults just told me I have an overactive imagination. But it's all real. Ghosts, angels, demons. Maeve says, I want to believe. Which, I don't know if you know, that's like a tagline from the X-Files. That's like, oh, no, that's like yeah. the main thing. Yeah. Okay. I have, like, shirts that say that and stuff. So. Oh. <laughs> Sam says, you should believe. You both should. Because it's all real. And so are we. I'm Sam Winchester. That's Dean. Uh, Maeve and Marie look at Sam and Dean, then at each other. Then they burst out laughing. <laughs> Marie says, okay, now look, I'm willing to accept that monsters are real, but those books are works of fiction. Maeve says, and you guys are way too old to be Sam or Dean. Marie says, oh yeah. Maeve says, more of a Bobby Rufus combo. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> I love it. Dean says, okay, all right, little Miss Sunshine. We are what the books call hunters. Maeve says, FBI hunters? Dean says, yeah. Maeve and Marie look at each other, and then Maeve says, you guys are X-Files. Sam says, sure, yeah, you can say that. So, the scarecrow from your musical, is it based on the one from the books? Marie says, no, I changed it. Uh, I got scared of a local legend when I was a kid. There was this old creepy scarecrow on an abandoned farm outside of town. Kids used to say, if it caught you, it would take you away. Dean says, okay, if this scarecrow is based over, or sorry, if this scarecrow is based on your version, then Miss Chandler and Maggie might still be alive. Maeve says, you think the scarecrow was created by the play? Marie says, you think it's a tulpa. So we cut to the school's library. Sam shows a book uh, to Marie and Maeve. It's open to a page about tulpas. Sam says, tulpas are monsters that are created by an intense focus energy on an idea, or, Marie says, or a story. Maeve says, great, how do you kill an idea? Marie says, well, in Hell House, Sam and Dean burnt the house down to take out the one tulpa they hunted. Dean says, yeah, yeah, you kill the symbol, you kill the tulpa. It's actually a pretty good start. So the scarecrow on your play, is it, uh, the scarecrow in your play, is it a person or a prop? Marie says, prop. And it's terrifying. We keep it in the boiler room. Sam says, that's uh, great. Uh, can you guys read up? Just give us a second. So Sam and Dean uh, walk away to talk quietly. Sam says, so this doesn't add up. Tulpas require a ton of psychic energy to juice up. Dean says, yeah. Sam says, well, it's not like the Supernatural books are tearing up the New York Times bestseller list. And I seriously <laughs> doubt this play has even sold out. Dean says, I hope not. Sam shows Dean uh, a picture of the purple flower left at the crime scenes. 
and says, well, but you know what? This flower, I know I've seen it in the lore somewhere. There's got to be a connection. Dean says, all right, you get on that. I'm going to take a shot at Burning Man. Sam says, yeah. Dean says, yeah. So Dean goes over to Marie and says, can you show me the boiler room? Marie says, yeah, sure. So we cut to the boiler room. Uh, Dean and Marie go inside and we see that the scarecrow is hidden under like an old blanket thing. Marie says, gird your loins. It's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, where did I go? Okay. Dean walks closer to the scarecrow, takes off the blanket. Uh, it turns out to be less terrifying than we expected. <laughs> Dean says. By a lot. <laughs> By a lot, yeah. Dean says, really? Marie says, I know. Scary, right? So Dean grabs a nearby metal tool of some sort and says, you want a pinata this asshat? Marie says, asshat, nice. It's a very Dean. No, he's all yours, Agent Smith. So Dean whacks it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking there. I know what I'm thinking now. (laughs) All right, sorry about that. So we cut to uh, a short time later. Uh, They shove pieces of the scarecrow into the fire in the furnace. Uh, Once they're done, they go back to the library. Dean opens the door for Marie, and she says, thank you. Dean says, we came. We saw. We kicked. Sam says, it's not a tulpa. Dean says, what? Sam says, it's not a tulpa. Dean says, say it one more time, but just a little bit more Arnold. Like, it's not a tulpa. (laughs) That was my my Arnold impression. That's pretty good. (laughs) Sam says, dude, come on. It's Calliope. Dean says, who? Maeve says, the goddess of epic poetry, the muse. Sam says, she's associated with this, the barrage or star flower. That's the picture. Dean says, okay, wait, if this is a god thing, then what's with the scarecrow? Sam says, according to the lore, Calliope manifests creatures from the stories she turned, she's tuned into. Marie says, so the scarecrow is still alive and we burned my prop for nothing. Dean says, oh, that thing needed to burn. <laughs> Whether you'd like to admit it or not, that thing was trash. (laughs) Maeve says, the only way to destroy the scarecrow is to kill Calliope. Sam says, right. She uses these manifestations, like the scarecrow, to inspire the author and protect them until their vision has realized. Dean says, then what? Sam says, then she eats the author. Marie says, okay, that's bad. Uh, Well, you get your wish. Let's cancel the show. Sam says, that's what your teacher and your classmate did. They tried to shut you down, and the scarecrow took them, protecting you and the show. Dean says, okay, so the scarecrow is the boogeyman. We got to take our shot with this, uh, Sam says, Calliope. Dean says, Calliope, but she won't show herself until your vision has realized. Marie says, so what are you saying? Dean says, the show must go on. And Marie looks terrified. Then she has herself a little panic attack. <laughs> Just a little one. <laughs> yeah. Dean says, hey, why don't you? Sam says, why don't you guys rally Marie? I'm going to uh, grab some wooden stakes in the trunk and do the blessing. So Sam leaves. Maeve says, is Marie going to get eaten? <clears throat> Dean says, not going to happen. As soon as that curtain rises, we're going to be there to take out this calliope. He goes over to Marie and says, hey, hey, how you doing, champ? Marie says, this is all my fault. If I hadn't written this dumb play, none of this would have happened. 
Dean says, okay, first of all, the play is not dumb. Marie says, I thought you didn't believe in this interpretation. Dean says, yeah, I don't. Like, at all. But you do, okay? <laughs> and I need you to believe in it with all you got so that we can kill Calliope and we can save your friends. Can you do that? Marie says, yeah, you're right. If Sam and Dean were real, they wouldn't back down from a fight. Especially my sweet, brave, selfless Sam. There's nothing he can't do. Dean says, no. He's like, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I love it. Marie turns around to look in a mirror. She sighs and says, okay, let's do this. I understudy Sam. So she grabs a wig, puts it on, and says, I used this for my one woman orphan black show last year. But it's going to have to work for Sam. Uh, she says, writer, director, actor. I'm going to Barbara Streisand this bitch. <laughs> and then we cut to, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I just really like this episode. Okay. Well, we cut to the audience arriving for the show. Uh, backstage, Sam and Dean uh, and Marie are checking over the actresses. Marie says, okay, good, good. Uh, to, to Siobhan, she says, all right, Samulet. And Siobhan shows her the Samulet around her neck. Dean says, the Samulet? Marie says, that amulet is a symbol of the Winchester's brotherly love. Sam walks up with two wooden stakes. He gives one to Dean and says, hey. Dean says, okay. Sam checks out the actresses and costumes and says, pretty good. Wait a second, where's Chuck? Marie says, oh, I love him. I do. But honestly, the whole author introdu introducing himself into the narrative thing is just not my favorite. I kind of hate the meta stories. Uh, Sam and Dean at the very same time say, me too. You <laughs> Metatron. Oh, I know. Uh, that's kind of what I, I mean, obviously, oh, like, me. I mean, you know, meta, but like, to me, that's the first thing I think of is like Metatron. Uh, like, I just, I, I was like, you're literally in a meta episode. Like, this is, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, where am I? Okay. Uh, Dean says, all right, listen up, girls. Now, you're all here because you love Supernatural. Uh, the actress playing Mary Winchester says, actually, I was hoping we'd do Wicked. Dean <laughs> says, yeah, that'd have been easier. I know I have expressed some differences of opinion regarding this particular version of Supernatural, but tonight it is all about Marie's vision. This is Marie's Supernatural. So I want you to get out there and I want you to stand as close as she wants you to. And I want you to put as much sub into that text as you possibly can. There is no other road. No other way. No day, but today. Maeve asks quietly to Marie, did he just quote Rent? Marie says, not enough to get us in trouble. <laughs> Dean says, now, you get out there and you kick it in the ass. Uh, Kristen Castiel says, all right. Marie says, bring it in. So the girls all huddle together and put their hands on top of each other. And everyone says, Ghost facers, <laughs> which I love. Like, yeah. yeah, all the time. Just start out every day that way. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sam and Dean just look at each other. <laughs> then Marie goes on Very stage. Myth. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck? Uh, not those guys. Can't sorry. escape these idiots. <laughs> nope, you can't. Uh, so Marie goes on the stage to introduce the show to the audience. She says, "Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our production of Supernatural." I'm not going to lie, it might be a full-on Gallagher show up in this piece. Uh, so, those of you in the front rows may want to use the ponchos we provided you for, uh, or for you, sorry, under your seats. You may, in fact, get wet on this ride. 
the opening music starts playing and she says, uh, I would like to thank the cast and crew um, backstage. Dean says to Maeve, OK, she's stalling. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do this. Wow. OK, I'm going to drink my coffee again. I just <laughs> from my mouth. <laughs> Fuck. OK. All right. Um, uh, OK. Maeve says, copy that. Curtains, kids. It's showtime. Uh, Marie on the stage says, okay, and uh, that concludes our introduction for the night. So everybody just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Uh, the music for the Road So Far song is playing. Maeve says into her headset, everyone in places. Uh, then the musical starts. Siobhan Dean sings on the stage. Again, I'm not going to sing this. I'll just read it. Okay. John <laughs> and Mary, husband and wife, bringing home a brand new life. His name is Sammy. I'm Big Brother Dean. The perfect family, or so it seems. Uh, while she sings, Sam is researching backstage for the... No, that's not right. Sam is searching backstage for the scarecrow. <laughs> he does it do a lot of research. It's just so natural to say Sam is researching. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like literally what he does. Okay. He does a lot of that, you know? Yeah. So Siobhan Dean sings, The demon's visits have begun. He believes Sam was the chosen one. It burned my mother and it cursed my brother. Uh, Dean is watching from the wings and clearly enjoying the song, <laughs> which I liked. He's uh, bopping to it. He is, yeah. Uh, Siobhan Dean sings, leaving us in tears. On the road so far, yeah, the road so far, we are in dad's car. Uh, then in the wings, Dean sees the scarecrow creeping up behind Sam uh, on the other side of the stage in the wings. Dean tries to warn Sam, but Sam does not understand. Dean mouths, turn around. Finally, Sam turns around. Uh, on the stage, Siobhan Dean sings, On the road so far, Dad was driven, no turning back. He wouldn't stop without the payback. He trained us both to track and hunt and kill. He took away our own free will. Um, Dean runs behind the set to try to get to Sam, but it's too late. And Marie sees Sam vanish with the scarecrow into thin air. So Siobhan Dean on the stage sings, so that's where we are on the road so far, saving people, hunting things, family business, back in swing, driving down the road so far. Uh, then the first act ends and Dean is left looking horrified at the place where Sam disappeared. So we cut to Sam regaining consciousness. Did he have to go unconscious during that whole experience? Again, I guess it wouldn't be like, because this is the 200th episode, right? Milestone. I guess they were like, let's do all the, the, the normal things. Yeah. yeah, like let's not Sam being <laughs> is one of them. Yeah. Okay. So he wakes up. He's in the school basement. Um, Maggie and Miss Chandler are there looking at him with worried expressions. Maggie says, Agent Smith. Sam says, Where the hell are we? Maggie says, School's basement. The scarecrow brought us down here. Sam stands up and goes to the door. He tries to open it, but it doesn't budge. Miss Chandler says, Yeah, I tried that days ago. Sam says, so what, we're stuck in here? Suddenly, Calliope walks into view. Uh, and she says, that's right, you're going to miss the big show. Sam tries to walk towards Calliope, but she uses her powers to pin him to the door. Back in the theater, on stage, Siobhan Dean says um, to Kristen Castiel, okay, so you can pop in tomorrow morning. Kristen Castiel says, yes, I'll just wait here then. Uh, then Castiel's song starts playing. Dean, uh, in the wings, goes over to Marie, who looks very worried. Marie says, what do we do now? Dean says, just stick to the plan, okay? Keep singing until the scarecrow comes for you. 
Um, which is terrifying. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. On the stage, uh, Chris, this is a song I cannot sing because she just has a very high pitch voice and I can't do it. I uh, I sound like a man when I sing. So there's that. Uh, Kristen Cass says. You don't sound like a man. You just I don't have a super exactly high voice. That. I sound like a man. It's fine. I'm fine with it. It's all good. <laughs> what? Have you I don't think you sound sing? like a man. <laughs> have you even heard me sing? I don't think so. Like, I don't. A couple times. Okay. Not a lot. <laughs> All right, next time you come over, we'll we'll do some of that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Eric's gonna be like, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" Okay. Nothing. <laughs> so uh, Kristen Castiel on stage says uh, or sings, "I'll just wait here then. That's what I'll do. I'll just wait here then. Wait here for my cue. I raised you from perdition to be God's ammunition, but now you need some rest. So I will do what's best. I'll just wait here then. That's all I'll do." I'll just wait here then. I'll wait for you. Uh, the audience like bursts into applause because it's a very cute scene. Uh, and then back in the basement, Calliope says, I've consumed many authors, many stories. But tonight, as soon as that curtain opened, I knew something special was brewing with this one. Maybe it's because the story's actual inspiration's here. I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to kill you and your brother to find out. Sam says, don't you have to wait until the vision has been realized? Calliope smirks and says, oh, gods, if I have to sit through that second act one more time, <laughs> there's robots and tentacles and space. I can't even. <laughs> I, just, I, I can't do it. <laughs> can't. Uh, back on stage, uh, Marie Sam is singing uh, a song called A Single Man Tear. <laughs> Which I think is my favorite one from the. I like single man tear. <laughs> I do like the song. Uh, Marie as Sam sings, a single man tear slipped on his face. Uh, I think it slipped down his face. I don't know what I said on. Okay. <laughs> it slipped on his face. It was so greasy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It just slipped right down. <laughs> slipped right off. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, she sings, he shows emotion without a trace. He hides behind a mask so strong, worried that he could be wrong. I wish that he could see the way I see him, the perfect brother, a man without sin. Because underneath that manly sheen, he is my brother, a boy named Dean. A single I man told you he was greasy, the manly sheen. Come oh, on. Right. <laughs> he is greasy. He's sheening and shit. Okay. Uh, she sings, a single man tear. That's all we fear. Uh, right the uh, right when uh, Siobhan is ready to sing her part, the scarecrow appears. Dean sees him and jumps on him uh, right in the middle of the stage in front of the audience. Siobhan, uh, Dean keeps singing a single man tear. That's all I'll spare. Uh, into her headset backstage, Maeve says, okay, we're through the looking glass here, people. Strike the Wendigo set. Let's prep the priest costumes. And Sarah, get understudies into hair and makeup. So back in the basement, Sam says, so why this story, huh? Why uh, Supernatural? Calliope says, Supernatural has everything. Life, death, resurrection, redemption, but above all, family. All set to music, you can really, oh, where am I? Okay, sorry. All set to music, you can really tap your toe to. It isn't some <laughs> meandering piece of genre drag. It's epic. Uh, back on stage, Siobhan keeps singing, uh, despite Dean fighting the scarecrow in front of everyone. 
uh, Siobhan Dean sings, but underneath this broken mask, it is my father with all his wrath. Uh, Marie keeps dodging the approaching scarecrow and then somehow, uh, whoa, forgive my lack of legible handwriting. Okay, um, the scarecrow kind of backs up to the edge of the stage in front of the audience. Uh, a dude in the front row of the audience takes out his poncho. And puts it <laughs> He's like, I'm ready. <laughs> yep. Uh, back in the basement, Calliope says, and that, well, that is my bag of tea. Maggie yells, bag this. And then Maggie hits Calliope on the head with a big ass book. Uh, then Miss Chandler gives or kind of kicks the stake to Sam. On stage, Marie grabs uh, the stake that Dean dropped. Marie yells, no chick flip moments. Uh, at the same time, Stab, Stab, oh, Stab is not his name. His name is Sam. What the fuck? This is like the first time I've said that in episodes recently. Damn it. Okay. 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 I just need, I'm going to take another drink of coffee. If it makes you feel better, I didn't even notice. <laughs> I didn't notice because I do it so often now. Okay. Fuck. All right. So at the same time, Sam stabs Calliope in the basement and Marie stabs the scarecrow on stage. For a moment, it seems like the scarecrow will fall into the people sitting in the front row of the audience, but then Calliope explodes and so does the scarecrow, uh, splashing purple goo on the audience. It's a lot of purple goo. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, everyone is silent. And then the poncho guy stands up and starts slow clapping, uh, followed by the whole audience. Marie smiles at them, and Dean says to her, take a bow, Sammy. Um, while the audience gives them a standing ovation, Marie, Siobhan, and Dean take a bow. The curtains close, and then lights on the curtains spell intermission. So we cut to a short time later. Uh, Sam is back behind stage with Marie. Uh, Maeve says, usually this is when Sam and Dean take off, before anyone asks any questions. Sam says, that's probably a good idea. Maeve says, Thanks for saving my friends. Sam says, sure. Maeve says, you know, if you cut your hair a little, you'd make a pretty good dean. Sam says, thanks. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dean is saying goodbye to Marie. He says, well, you did good out there, kid. Marie says, hmm, you're not so bad yourself. Dean says, you know, this has been educational. Seeing the story from your perspective, you keep writing Shakespeare. Marie says, even if it doesn't match how you see it, Dean says, I have my version and you have yours. Um, Maeve says, what does that even say? Uh, I'm just going to guess she says this into her headsets because that looks like I wrote Kathiness. I don't know. <laughs> Maeve says, one minute, folks, one minute. Dean says, okay. Marie says, and Dean, you never should have thrown this away. And she gives him the Samulet. Uh, he takes it and then tries to give it back. He says, it never really worked. And I don't need a symbol to remind me how I feel about my brother. So Marie says, just take it, jerk. Dean says, bitch. <laughs> Marie laughs. And looks, oh, oh no. Did I tell a high school girl a bitch? Whoops. Not cool, Dean. Okay. Uh, Marie laughs. And Dean says, right. Okay. Um, so while they're getting ready to do a new scene on the stage, Dean goes over to Sam and says, well, I guess we can go back to staring at motel room walls. Sam says, you know what, Dean? You're right. Staying cooped up isn't helping us. We need... Uh, but at that moment, they realize that the musical Sam and Dean are having a similar talk on stage. Marie Sam says, we need to get back on the road, Dean. 
doing what we do best. Uh, Sam, oh, what? why didn't I read this? Marie doesn't make any sense. Okay. Uh, Siobhan Dean says, it's just, I don't know anymore. Uh, Sam, real Sam says to Dean, what is that? Dean says, it's the, uh, the BM scene. <laughs> Marie Sam on stage says, saving people, hunting things, you know, the family business. Uh, real Sam says to Dean, the bowel movement scene. Dean says, no, no, just shh. So Siobhan Dean says, you're right, Sammy. Out on the road, just the two of us. Marie Sam says, the two of us against the world. Uh, real Sam says to real Dean what she said. Uh, then the girls on stage do a cover of Carry On Wayward Son, sang by Mary and John Winchester, uh, Adam Winchester, Bobby, and Sam and Dean. Uh, Sam, the real Sam and Dean watch from the wings. Uh, while feeling, I just put feeling emotions. <laughs> Sam sees uh, the feelings. actress. <laughs> yep. Uh, Sam sees the, act, the actress playing Adam and asks Dean or asks Maeve, "Who's that?" Maeve says, "Oh, that's Adam, John Winchester's other kid. He's still trapped in the cage in hell with Lucifer." <laughs> Sam and Dean look at each other a little guiltily. Like, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, right. Five years ago. Come on. Okay, so uh, the song finishes uh, with Sam and Dean watching Sadly. And the lights fade while the audience applauds the show. Uh, we cut to the boys driving in Baby. Dean puts the Samulet on Baby's rear view mirror. I can never say that word. Uh, the boys look at each other and smile. And the Impala drives away into the sunset. Uh, we cut back to the theater. Marie is busy receiving compliments from audience members. Maeve runs over to her and says, um, wait, does that make sense? Maeve runs over to her and says, um, the ticket you left for the publisher, someone claimed it. We see the arm of a man uh, waiting up the stairs watching. When Marie sees him, she's shocked. She says, oh, my gosh. But wait, that means that Calliope came for me or for Maeve says, who cares? Go, fangirl. Uh, Marie leaves her flowers with Maeve and runs up the stair to the man. Marie says, hi, thank you so much for coming. Uh, I know the second act is a little bit wonky and the first act has some issues, but what did you think? Uh, the camera finally turns so we can see the man's face and we see that it's Chuck. Uh, he gives Marie a kind smile and says, not bad. And credits. Okay, so one of my first thoughts is that, so Felicia Day her daughter, she named her Calliope. And I kind of wonder, like, if she got that from this. Not necessarily from this episode, but, like, you know, if she, like... Well, I mean, she's really into that sort of stuff. I'm sure she that has nothing to do with actually anything to do with supernatural, but you know still, what? I, I have I have always wondered that though. Like, I kept I keep expecting to find that answer somewhere, but like, no one has that I've seen, you know, has had that thought or put it on the internet anyway. So yeah, like, does she just like that name, or mm -hmm. did she like her, name her daughter her that because of the poetry? Right. Stuff, you know. Yeah, I know. Maybe it's both. You know, it could just be both, really. Yeah. Um, I think her daughter is, uh, was born after this episode. I think. So it, I'm sure maybe it helped. I don't know. I would love yeah, to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it has knows. anything. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it has anything to do with the episode necessarily, but, like, I just kind of wonder if, like, she picked that 
because of the name itself or if she like knew that Calliope was the, you know, poetry muse or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um so also so Maeve, she totally reminds me of the girl from Pitch Perfect who like doesn't really speak and has her mouth and she just talks like this. You know, like uh. <laughs> I actually really love that character. She's my favorite character in that movie because oh, yeah, when she she's does talk, it's so fucking like macabre. Like everything out of yeah. her mouth is disturbing, and I'm like, I need to be more that. Like, yeah, <laughs> she is like a straight up role model for me. So yeah. yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because I was like, she totally reminds me of this girl. And honestly, like, what is even her name in Pitch Perfect? I don't know, but like, I don't know either. Like, but I like her. <laughs> yep. Also, like, <laughs> how would that be to just, like, walk into a musical of your life, have no idea what's happening, and be like, um, what? You know? uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I I would just probably, I'd probably throw up and then start crying and then run away. <laughs> you know? Also, nobody can know that I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I would go hide in a bathroom. I'd phone a friend. That'd be you. And then just freak out. Yeah, just like, what's and then you ha- And then you'd have to tell me what to do, because I would just, I would not know. Yeah. I'd be like, get in your car and drive. Go, go, go. <laughs> yeah, for real. Run, run. You know. Like, that sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably be like, I would probably have morbid curiosity. But the thing is, is like, I wouldn't really want to stay and like <laughs> no, I would see not. it, because I might just be like, Okay, no, you know, but also at the same time, like, do I want to know what they say about me? Yes, I do. You know, like, I would also like, it I would care? be fun, Not really, but I also want to know, you know, like, it would be fun to see like the song lyrics or to hear the song lyrics, you know, like that, yeah. that could be entertaining, probably yeah. mostly mortifying though, honestly. So I don't know, yeah. I guess it depends on like how realistic they were making it, you know, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> they were turning it into like a melodrama or if they were turning it into a comedy or if they're turning it into, you know, I don't know, whatever. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. So that, that would be kind of weird. But um, also I would just like to say that they never really said anything about the whole like Dean becoming a woman thing. Like <laughs> we know there's robots and they're like, and then Dean becomes a woman briefly and then not what? Well, and also they were in space. Like, yeah. How how did he turn into a woman? Also, how did he turn back? Like, what's the, what's the deal here? Like, what, what happened there? Yeah. She get to that conclusion. (laughs) I I was hoping. I remember the first time I saw that. I I was hoping that they were gonna show that, and uh, I was disappointed that they didn't. So, yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. Like, I feel like of all the things, like that's what I need to know. Like, Mm -hmm. yep. Whatever. That was, those are it for my thoughts. But, like, I was just like, hold on a second. Dean is a woman. What would they call him? Deanna, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What would he call himself? Probably Deanna. Yeah. Or D. I think that's what he calls his wife. From what I've seen, like, in interviews and stuff, he calls her D sometimes. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah. (laughs) Um, Sorry, Maisie's behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what was your favorite moment? Okay, honestly, this whole episode was my favorite moment. (laughs) But there are, uh, are, 
two songs that I I loved really. So um, so single man tear like mm-hmm. yeah, I love that song. I just like straight up have Alexa play me that song all the time. Like I love that song. <laughs> it's it's so funny if you've ever actually looked at the lyrics. Like mostly it's quite sad. Yeah, you know, which makes sense, but it's a it's a great song. <laughs> Eric's like, why is this on all of our playlists? And I'm like, cause it's awesome. Come on. <laughs> and then it's a also, good song. I know, I love it. And then um at this and then when they did their cover of uh, Carry On Wayward Son, that that part like Emma was like, oh, I'm gonna watch this episode, but not the end because it makes me cry. <laughs> and it do- and I'm like, I can do it, I can do it. And then I watch it, and then Killian's always like, why are you crying? because like I, I'm fine leave me alone yeah <laughs> and they're watching like you know Sam and Dean watching like you know these girls dressed up as like the important people in their life singing this to them basically mm-hmm. it's moving as fuck and their voices are beautiful like it's just a whole it's a whole it's a whole vibe <laughs> whatever yeah. I love yeah. it so <laughs> yeah I would I'll go with that uh what was your favorite moment um one of my favorite kind of it wasn't one specific moment but just the whole like bm situation they're like uh-huh, that when they're like good. the hell movement like, <laughs> no, boy melodrama like yep. um that and like just all the like them being perturbed about the ghost facers being like the, <laughs> <laughs> that was really chance and like Dean bopping along to the music, you know, like mm-hmm. that sort of yep. stuff where they're like, I'm not into this, also I'm into it. You know? Like, also I really dig this. Yeah. Yeah. Like this yeah. is stupid. I like it. You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> but yep. yeah, so those are kind of my favorite moments is when they're, you know, like grudgingly, I guess, liking what was happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Sam kind of thought it was charming the whole time. I mean, after he got over the initial, like, this is about us, he was yeah. like, oh, theater. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. This is charming. Yeah. And Dean's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's like, what is this? You know. <laughs> um, so our interesting facts, uh, hold on to your horses, folks, because there's a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> hold on to your butts. Yep. <laughs> Hold your ass butts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so it says, uh, the first one, it says, director Philip Segrisha was very careful to not let the main cast hear the musical numbers before they filmed the scenes. So the first reactions you see from Sam and Dean are real. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. I did not know that. That's great. Me either. That's the right way to do it, I think. <laughs> um, it says, uh, Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles have both said that the cover of Carry On Wayward Son was very moving for them. Yeah, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says, the girl playing Dean in the musical uh, complains the reason she isn't wearing the amulet is that it keeps hitting her in the lips. <laughs> um, Jensen Ackles hated the amulet because it constantly hit him in the face. Yeah. Um, it says, Dean messing up Andrew Lloyd Webber's name was, in fact, unscripted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it says, uh, when Dean and Sam are seeing the full cast of the play in their outfits, the girl who plays cast, oh wait, no, never mind. There's some weird stuff about a tie that, like, is not legit. Okay. Basically, that saying that Cass wears his tie backwards, <laughs> and that, like, the girl was wearing it frontwards, like, no, Cass does not, in fact, wear his tie backwards. Anyways. Yeah, I don't remember him doing that um, yeah not at I, all. and I, I i would feel weird if i like missed that every single time cast is on the screen i don't think i did though 
Yeah. You know? So, okay. Yeah, who knows? Weird. Um, so it says, uh, when Dean returns, returns, (laughs) oh boy, when Dean returns, (coughs) oh, as I choke on my own spit, from destroying the scarecrow prop in the boiler room, he utters the famous line from Ghostbusters, um, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Um, Bill Murray's character, Peter Venkman, uh, says this after the group captures their first ghost. Um... It says the school is named St. Alfonso's Academy and there are posters for a pancake breakfast. And um, these are a reference to Frank to a Frank Zappa song called St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast. Um, the idea came from director and executive producer Philip Segretia. Cool. Um, so it says Sam tells Dean, um, other than the Charlie Kaufman of it all, I got nothing. Um, he's referring to the playwright Charlie Kaufman, who penned works of fiction starring real people in sur- surreal situations as themselves, such as being. Wait, what? Yeah. He's referring to the playwright Charlie Kaufman, who penned works of fiction starring real people in surreal situations as themselves, such as being John Malkovich from 1999. Yeah. Sorry, I just like read it and it didn't sound right to me. And I'm like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> it was a, a long sentence. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Great movie though, being John Malkovich. I am even... a fucking weird ass movie. It says Marie mentions that Carver Edlund stopped writing after Swan Song, which was the season finale for season five, which was also meant to be the end of the series. It says the songs in the Supernatural musical are actually sung by the actors portraying those characters. The 200th episode. Yay! I know. <laughs> it's freaking crazy. Um, uh, it says this episode is only or is one of only two in the show's history, along with um, season two, episode 20, um, what is and what should never be, where the only death is that of the monster of the week. Oh, okay. Um. It says, in her introduction to the musical, Maria warns, um, it says Maria, it's Marie, warns the audience that it might be a full-on Gallagher show up in this piece. Um, She is referring to the 1970s, 80s comedian Gallagher, um, famous for smashing fruit with his (laughs) sledge-o-matic. Okay, I did not know that. Um, I I did I did go to a a musical once where that happened. Uh, not not purple goo, but like fake blood that they mm-hmm. literally had like in buckets that they just splashed on the audience. And it was the Evil Dead musical. Which oh yeah. I have seen um one that was up in Linden, Washington, mm-hmm. which uh, and I saw one in Vegas. Um, different production values for sure. But, yeah. <laughs> um, the one in Linden was awesome. It was like a week before Halloween. The it started at like ten at night. So like dark out it's like mm-hmm. in the middle of fucking nothing you yeah. know what I mean? so you're like mm-hmm. driving out i mean that's an unfamiliar area to me you know so we were just yeah. like driving out there like are we gonna be okay oh no yeah i know like well I mean, it's not it's not like that but it's just you know an, well un- no yeah. <laughs> yeah and it was dark and like where the fuck are we i don't even know like okay yeah. 10 at night let's go see this evil dead you know musical but and yeah the so you do have ponchos and stuff um, yeah. And they did, you know, they were like, you know, front two rows. But no, they just literally ran around throwing buckets of blood on the whole audience. It was fantastic. It was really <laughs> amazing. And I'd I, be a little bit miffed, not going to lie. I wouldn't want to get, like, covered in this stuff and then have to drive home, you know? Yeah, well, there's that, yeah. But it was Also, it was awesome. is it going to stain my clothes? Probably. I mean, I'm going to say it's buckets of blood, but, like, 
near the end, it was just light pink water. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, But it was fantastic. Anybody who can see that that musical, I I highly recommend it. So much fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And some of them do the, you know, horny tree scene and some of them don't. So just keep that in mind. There, there is a horny tree. Okay. okay. I don't remember that. Have I seen that? I don't think I've shown you the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. We should do that. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. Yeah, we should. You'll <laughs> laugh. Say, You're supposed to laugh. It's a good time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, I thought, oh, no, I think, it, I think I'm thinking of Shaun of the Dead. Okay. That's what I'm thinking of. Maybe. Yeah, Probably. maybe. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So it says the voice confusion over the term BM, which Marie describes as meaning boy melodrama and not bowel movement, reflects real life. Uh, Robbie Thompson said on Twitter, fun fact, my first day on Supernatural, writers kept referring to the BM scene. I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love that. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, it says, uh, though the show has parodied fan shipper names before, uh, this is the first time Destiel uh, is used. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they use it again, right? I don't think I don't, they do either. I don't I think think it ever, it. Yeah, it's the only time they talk about, like, Sam Stiel or any of, you know, any yeah. of the, the Sam shipping names with Cassie there. So, yeah, I love that. It's so funny. I don't think they really talk about any shipping. They don't. I Other mean, they talk about, like, the boys you know, in a Wincesty way. I think they called it Slash, though. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember, yeah. That's it. I mean, that was seasons ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, It says, uh, when Sam introduces himself as Agent Smith and Dean as Agent Smith, no relation, he's quoting the FBI agents from the Bruce Willis action film Die Hard from 1988. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the prop car has the original number plate of the Impala, which is KAZ2Y5. Mm-hmm. Um, it says end credits usually roll on more or less alternating episodes with either Jay Greshka's end credits or Christopher Lennart's end score. Um, this is one episode where neither of those tracks was used. Um, instead, music specifically specifically composed <laughs> for this episode was used during the end credits. Yeah. Um, it says, uh, John DeSantis, I'm guessing is how you say it, um, who plays the Scarecrow, um, uncredited in this episode, also played a ghost in, um, episode, or season three, episode 13, Ghost Facers, and a Gollum in episode, or season eight, episode 13, Everybody Hates Hitler. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, it says, uh, the, the scene where Dean looks into the camera after talking with Marie about Destiel was unscripted. It was an improv. It was an improvisation from Jensen Ackles. You got this. This is not going well. I think you're doing better than I did. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Um, So it says the prop car um, has the searchlights, which were originally on Baby early on. Um, These were removed. Sorry, there's this frog that hangs out right outside this window like, I can hear it it sounds like the, a duck no it's a frog that hangs out all the time out here and like you can hear it across the house but it's literally like right next to my microphone so I'm sorry about the croaking <laughs> I like it it's kind of cute he's <laughs> so loud I can't even see him but I know he's there obviously but 
That's so funny. <laughs> it's so weird. I feel like it's gonna like jump through the window. Or I know. <sighs> anyway, um, <laughs> I gotta figure out where I am. <laughs> this thing. Okay. Um, the prop car has the searchlights, which are originally on Baby early on. Uh, these were removed to make camera mounting easier early on. Season one, and two episodes do show the searchlights, though. Yeah. Totally. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Tell him to keep it down. God, for real though. And it's just <laughs> random times during the day. It's not like it's at dusk or at a different like it just randomly will just be like, hey! Yeah. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, so it says the last scene of the pilot episode is mimicked in the beginning of this episode. Uh, it says Sam and Dean are in the parking lot of the motel when they decide they're going to check out a case. Uh, the camera point of view is from inside baby's trunk with Dean standing on the left and Sam on the right. Um, Dean says we got work to do, tosses a shotgun in the trunk and then closes it. Um, in the pilot, the last scene is the same, except Dean is on the right side while Sam is on the left. And Sam tosses the shotgun in the trunk and says we got work to do before shutting it. Mm-hmm. They do that a couple more times. They're, that's uh, This is not the last time it happens, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it says, uh, the opening scene with Marie is an obvious nod to Jason Schwartzman's character Max Fisher from Rushmore from 1998, um, from the beret to her overbearing director attitude. Mm-hmm. Um uh, it says at around 3109 in the musical's interpretation of events, um, Dean is on the phone with Castiel and says, you can pop in tomorrow morning, hangs up on him and Castiel responds, I'll just wait here then. Um, the dialogue and sets perfectly match Dean and Cass's conversation in Supernatural, the end um, from season five. Uh, it says, during Castiel's subsequent musical number, the staging and cinematography mirror the scene in Supernatural on the head of a pin um, from season four, where Castiel stands below a circular lamplight acting as a halo. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, there are two notable references to the X-Files from 93. Um, in this episode, it says, first, when one of the students says, I want to believe in regards to there being monsters, are being real monsters, which is a popular line from the show. That was a weird sentence, but I guess it makes yeah. sense. Um, <laughs> says the other reference is more direct when Sam and Dean say they're FBI hunters and the students say they're like X-Files then, um, which is a reference to the X-Files characters being FBI and constantly investigating strange and unusual cases. Um, there is, in fact, a third in the opening title card. Um, one is styled in the style of X-Files. That, that was from the Fight the Fairies episode. Yeah. Where that's a that's a big X Files ish episode too. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah. Love it. I love all of it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> um where am I? Oh, it says Marie mentions the TV show Orphan Black from 2013. <laughs> Excuse me. As <laughs> she was talking about last year's play. Oof the okay. Um <laughs> Uh, it says, um, when Sam says, it's not a tulpa, Dean says, say it like Arnold, it's not a tulpa. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. referring to Arnold Schwarzenegger's famous line from Kindergarten Cop, it's not a tumor. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's right. Travis says that all the time. I've never <laughs> actually, like, seen that ever, but, like, mm-hmm. he says it all the time. <laughs> the, uh, the, the one that I quote all the time is from Predator. Arnold's quote in Predator, uh, get to the chopper. No. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I think everyone has their own. Everyone who's 
my age anyway has their own kind of Arnold quote. I don't know if I've ever really like up. seen much that he's been in. Also, was I a sheltered child? Yes. So that's not really like much to. All right, we'll watch Predator because that's like a classic horror movie. So you're okay. in that box, and you're okay. some Arnold. It's a good time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it says, uh, Marie sets aside a ticket for the publisher to see the show, which is a bad idea. An unauthorized production like this would be shut down by a publisher if violating or for violating copyright law. Uh, mm-hmm. Luckily for Marie, someone else claims the ticket who doesn't seem too concerned about copyright law. <laughs> nope. nope. Um, Da, 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 da. It says it's the first episode that Chuck has been in since season five, Swan Song. Um, since then, he was. Wait, what? Um, I'm guessing they meant um, during which or something, he was presumed to be dead by most fans. That was kind of a weird sentence that didn't really make much I don't much think sense. anybody thought he was dead. I don't think he, anybody thought he was dead either, but maybe this person did, I guess. Yeah, I think that was. <laughs> pretty clear that he wasn't I, mean, I don't like know like vanished he, yeah he kind of you know whisked away into nothing yeah um, but uh I did want to mention this because I meant to and of course forgot but when I first saw this episode I was delighted to see Chuck again you know yeah. he's such a fun character such an awkward mm-hmm. nerdy he's little like, oh, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was it was super happy to see I, I was super happy to see him again and also it was a little interesting because he his whole demeanor, yes, he says two whole words, okay, but like, yeah. is very different from yeah. the Chuck that you remember. It's not different yeah. from the from. Okay, I'm gonna. He stop. seems so much calmer. He seemed different. Not he so really neurotic. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Like I didn't see any of that in him. And again, it was a very brief moment with him, sure. Yeah. But I was like, first I was like super happy to see him, and then I was like, huh, okay, maybe that's just your reaction to seeing your work in a musical form. But like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he did seem just different. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um. So it says the hotel door Sam exits from at the beginning of the episode is room 200, um, in honor of the episode number. Yep. Um. It says when Calliope explains to a captive Sam about why she picked the supernatural play to appear at, Maggie quietly steals a copy of Homer's The Odyssey from the nearest table, and Calliope um finishes her sentence with "It's epic." Um, which I think the Odyssey is, is something, uh, it's got to have something to do with the Odyssey, I would assume, because, anyway. I mean, I guess it's, you know, an epic <laughs> story, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is, yeah. So, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they didn't really tie those two together, but. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was waiting for you to finish it. Uh, no, it. that's it. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. <laughs> um... Marie tells Sam and Dean that they are going to do a cover of Carry On My Wayward Son, uh, or Carry On Wayward Son. Uh, so, er, and she and Dean simultaneously say it's a classic. Um, Carry On Wayward Son is the theme of every season finale since season two, um, and it was used in the penultimate episode in season one. Right. Um, it says Marie mentions doing a one-woman orphan black show last year. There is a bit of a joke in that. In the show, Orphan Black, the star, Tatiana Maslany, um, plays five main characters and several more minor characters. Um, the actress has earned praise for her ability to play radically different characters against each other at the same time in the same scene. Have you seen that show at all? Nope. That's a good one. 
Yeah. It's fucked up. It's great. It's a great yeah. show. Yeah. She yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You would like that show. It's kind of up your alley for sure. Yeah. Right now that actress is playing um, She-Hulk. And the the new no, She-Hulk show. Yeah. Yep. My Disney. Plus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Um, it says, when Marie tells Sam and Dean about the cover of Carry On, Wayward Son, she and Dean say it's a classic at the same time. Similarly, similarly bleh, to other instances in the series when Sam and Dean say the same thing together, not mm-hmm. about it's a classic, but just in general say the same thing together. Um, this almost foreshadows Marie's portrayal of Sam in the musical later in the episode. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. So our research for this week is off of mythologysource.com. That was really hard to say for some reason. <laughs> um, and it's on Calliope because, you know, Calliope. Because that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it says Calliope was one of nine sisters in Greek mythology. The muses were goddesses of the arts who bestowed the gift of inspiration on artists poets, dancers, and philosophers. Among the nine sisters, Calliope was held in particularly high regard as the deity of epic poems and songs. <laughs> Not just poems and songs, but epic poems the and epic songs. epic ones. Got it. <laughs> I like it. It says she was the patroness of writers like Homer, Ovid, and Hesiod. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the writers from whom modern readers learn about the beliefs of ancient Greece made sure that their muse had a special place in the works she inspired. Uh, there is more to Calliope's story than just the invocations of the great poets of the ancient world, though. Calliope was given a distinct mythology that separated her from her sisters. By inspiring epic poems that combined the stories of the gods um, and the past of the gods in the past with beautifully crafted words, Calliope was credited with making sure the stories imported or important to her were preserved forever. Not that we're imported. <laughs> <laughs> this is going really well. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it says this included one of the most tragic romances in ancient literature, the story of her own son. Far more than just another nameless nymph. Find out why Calliope <laughs> was considered the greatest of the muses. It says, um, Calliope was one of the nine muses, Mosai in Greek. Um, these sister goddesses were the sources of inspiration and knowledge for artists, historians, and writers. The muses were depicted as nine beautiful young women, each with an attribute that corresponded to a type of work they inspired. The earliest muses were said to be water nymphs who lived near the wells that gave inspiration. Eventually, their mythology grew until they became an independent class of goddesses. At this time, there were probably only three muses. Um, Deities in Greek mythology often appeared in groups of three. Over time, though, the triple goddesses were... What? Oh, okay, no, never mind. It says, over time, though, the triple goddesses were tripled for a total of nine. I was just like, why is there so many threes? Why are we doing math? I know. (laughs) 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 Um... It says, um, it is thought that the idea of nine muses, as opposed to a variety of nymphs, began in the region of um, um, (laughs) Boeotia. Okay. I'm going to go with that. I don't don't know. Um, (laughs) It says, uh, this was the homeland of Hesiod, one of the oldest writers whose works survive. So the muses are well documented from the earliest days of written mythology. 
The muses continued to be associated with water long after they stopped being thought of as nymphs. Um, Mount Helicon, also in Boeotia, Boeotia, yeah, um, <laughs> was said to be their home, and the springs um, there flowed with the waters of inspiration. There was no consensus among the Greeks as to the parentage of the muses. Some accounts said that they were the daughters of Zeus and uh, Nemocene, which is memory, I guess. Um, okay. Others say that. Uh, others say they were the children of Apollo, while some writers said they were primeval daughters of Gaia and uh, Uranus. Um, uh, early in Greek history, the, muse, uh, the muses worked collectively. Later, they were each assigned a different area of influence. Um, Calliope was particularly important to ancient poets. She was the muse who inspired their work. Um, it says Calliope um, inspired writers and singers uh, in the or the Greek myths um, existed long before they were written down. Before the 8th century BC, all the mythology of the area was passed on uh, through oral tradition. Even after poets like Hesiod and Homer began to record the legends, they were not read or recited for audiences. They were sung. For hundreds, if not thousands of years, singing had been the primary way of passing on the stories of the gods. Bards trained for years to memorize the songs that told the illiterate populace important stories while also entertaining them. Playing music along with the stories helped to make them more memorable, um, both to those who shared them and the listeners. When Hesiod and Homer wrote their works, they wrote in poetic verse so the stories could be set to music. The works of the great poets were added um, to the repertoires of many traveling singers. Oh, it just skipped around on me. Hold on. Okay. Um, many traveling singers and court bards whose job it was to tell the stories of their religion and history. Thus, Calliope did not just inspire written words. She inspired the songs that the stories were set to as well. Hmm. Her name, in fact, reflected the tradition of oral history. Calliope comes from the Greek words kalos and ops, meaning beautiful voice. Um, it says, while Calliope was said to inspire the poets, she also appeared in their works. Often these were hymns of praise to the goddess of poetic inspiration, but sometimes the stories themselves were about Calliope and her family. The most famous story of Calliope is the one regarding her legendary son, Orpheus. Um, while many of the muses were virgin goddesses, Calliope was married. Her husband was King, oh boy, um, Oegris of Thrace. Um, the Thracian king was a follower of Dionysus, um, who, according to Nonus, <laughs> these, these words are or these words, these names are so hard, um, <laughs> joined that god's war in India when their son was still an infant. He was described as a skilled harpist and expert at archery. <laughs> Lots of strings in his life. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was said to have had at least two sons with Oegris, um, although some sources claimed that the god Apollo was their father instead. Uh, both the king of Thrace and the god of light were archers and musicians. Her son, Linus, was said to have... <laughs> every time I hear of Linus, I think of peanuts, but that's fine. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, her son, Linus, was said to have been the first to transfer Phoenician letters to Greek and to have been the first leader of lyric songs. Orpheus, however, was her most famous child. He was said to have been the greatest poet and musician to ever live. His music was so powerful that it could cause the rocks and trees to dance, hold vicious beasts in sway, and even charm Hades. Uh, the legendary Orpheus traveled with the 
Argonauts and played his harp so wonderfully that it drowned out the dangerous song of the sirens. He was devoted, or he was a devoted follow. What? <laughs> he was a devoted follower of Apollo, and as such, was given the gift of prophecy. The most famous story of the musician, however, was his descent into the underworld, when his beloved wife, oh, Eurydice. Yir- um. Oh, I know mm-hmm. that, but I. It's E U R Y D I C E. I don't remember how to say it. Eric is gonna just be so disappointed in both of us. Oh, this I'm sure. Like, this is like his jam. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't remember how to say that one. Year to see, maybe. I think it. No, I'm not even gonna guess because it'll be wrong. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> she was killed on their wedding day. <laughs> yep. And Orpheus traveled uh, to the land of the dead in attempt in an attempt to bring her back. He was nearly successful. His music was so powerful that Hades agreed to release uh, Eurydice, I'm going to go with, um, as long as Orpheus could lead her out of the underworld without looking back at her. As Orpheus stepped through the gates of Hades' realm and back into the world of the living, he turned around to celebrate his victory. Um, Eurydice, however, had not, step- had not yet stepped through the gate. Because he looked at Eurydice before she had left the land of the dead, Orpheus lost his wife forever. Okay, what that's a, a freaking technicality, you dumbass. You that's know, a like, stupid thing. Why, why, why can't you turn around and look at her? What a dumb rule. Like, it's never explained it's as far like, as I know. Like, why that's a thing? Like, is it just to make it hard to? I do think this? it's just to make it harder. Like, you can't have anything easy. So I'm gonna make you do this stupid menial thing. So then that way, like. Yeah, I just. Yeah. That, that has always really, really steamed my nuggets. Like. What the fuck? Why? Yeah. Why? Like okay. that's pretty much how like all the things are in those stories, though. Like that's true. Yeah. It's like why? Why is this a thing? Oh, because I said so. That's why. Oh, okay. You know, oh, like <laughs> yeah. Right. But... <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anyways, um, so it says, as the son of the goddess of epic poetry, Orpheus was said to be a prolific writer in addition to being a skilled musician. The hymns attributed to him also discuss the secrets he learned during his trip to the underworld. The story of Calliope's son, however, ended tragically. After losing his wife, Orpheus turned his back on all the gods except Apollo. He had once been a companion of Dionysus, um, but the death of... Eurydice had been the end of his enjoyment of the gods' hedonistic ways. Um, Angry that he had turned his back on Dionysus, uh, a group of maenads attacked Orpheus one morning. Um, uh, They begin by throwing sticks and rocks at him, but the poet was so beloved that the things they threw refused to hit him. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. I'm just thinking of stupid skinwalker ranch when they're like launching that rocket and it just goes <laughs> in an opposite direction. Just, no one over here. You know? That's great. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, it says, finally, the main ads ripped the great musician to shreds with their bare hands. <laughs> wow. Okay. Ew. Um, also, that takes a lot of strength for somebody yeah. who like literally uses my hands <laughs> mm-hmm. all the time. Like, you know how much effort it would take to actually rip somebody apart? No, yeah, I, 
hot. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, I could probably good, be good to like pop an eyeball or two, but like actually <laughs> tearing flesh off the body and other things like, uh, you know. I mean, the flesh might be a little easier, but actually like ripping. Th- I mean, think about how hard it is just to like pull apart a chicken sometimes. <laughs> you're right. You know, Sorry. like I'm, I'm not, not laughing not at that. Cooked, but, but like yeah. just like a raw chicken, if you're trying to like, you know, do whatever with it, like that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's where we're going. Okay. Um, <laughs> according to legend, his head and lyre continued to make music as they floated downriver and into the sea. Okay, wait, um, wait. His head continued making music. Is that what you just said? Yeah. His severed head that his apparently head was ripped and his off. little harp thing. <laughs> Were there were his severed hands playing the harp, or was the harp just? I don't think so. Going? I think it, they just said his head and his lyre. So I'm guessing it was just his head was singing along, and his little lyre was playing its notes. I don't know. And they thought, oh, this head is still alive. Let's just float it down the river. What? If I okay, listen. If I, I don't know, somebody, maybe it didn't start singing until it was in the river. Okay, I was like, if I was gonna kill somebody, and their head was still making noise i would kill them more <laughs> yeah until that head yeah. shut up like yeah okay all right, all right. that's fine <laughs> um it says they eventually landed on the island of lesbos i don't know lesbos, Le- lesbos? yeah lesbos i think yep. okay yep. um where the disembodied head of orpheus continued to give apollo's prophecies for many years yuck it's like that chicken that ran around with his head chopped off. Did you yeah. hear about that? That's like a they really normal thing. That's a yeah. normal thing, yeah. Oh, no, for chickens, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. like, you chop off their head and they still run around. But this one, they, like, chopped it off just high enough to where, like, it left enough of its brain to where it literally lived for, like, years afterwards. <laughs> oh, I did not hear about that. That's awful. I hate it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It was, like, okay. a, it was a, like, a tourist attraction for a long time I think like come see the headless chicken but ew I don't remember where I where that was that was somewhat recent or not recent but still within the last like you know few years anyways or something I think but yeah I do not did not hear about that yeah <laughs> fine. I don't I don't need to continue to hear about it yeah no it's fine <laughs> I mean yeah. the chicken was fine I don't know how like they must have they had to figure out some way to feed it but I don't know yeah. whatever it's not gonna get too far into that because that's gross yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um where was I okay giving prophecies for many years okay uh, Roman poets claimed that the muses gathered uh, the pieces of their nephew's body for burial. They placed his lyre in the stars as, constella- as a constellation, a memorial Zeus readily agreed to in honor of the many hymns Orpheus had written in his honor. Some writers imagined the pain Calliope felt over the death of her son. In one story, Calliope spoke to Thetis um, after the god's, goddess's son was killed in the Trojan War. It says, from lamentation, Thetis, now forbear and do not in the frenzy of thy grief for thy lost son, provoke to wrath the Lord of gods and men. Immortal though I be, mine own son Orpheus died, whose magic song drew all the forest trees to follow him. And every craggy rock and river stream and blasts of winds, shrill piping stormy breathed and uh, and birds that dart through through air on rushing wings. Yet I endured mine heavy sorrow. Gods ought not with anguished grief to vex their souls. Therefore, make end of sorrow-stricken wail for thy brave child, 
For to the sons of earth, minstrels shall chant his glory and his might by mine and by my sister's inspiration unto the end of time. Uh, and it's Quintus Samarinus from the fall of Troy, I think. Okay. okay. Um, it says Calliope offered Thetis a bit of hope that although her son had died, he would not be forgotten. By inspiring great works in his honor, she and her sisters would ensure that the heroes of the age were remembered forever. Um, where am I? Okay. Um, so it says ancient writers nearly always included the muses in their works. Um, for the great epic poems, Calliope was the one called upon. Typically, Calliope would be invoked at the beginning of a work. The poet asked the muse to inspire his words. At times, the writer would ask for more than basic inspiration. He would invite the muse to speak through him, essentially making him a conduit for direct communication from a goddess. The inclusion of the invocation of Calliope not only served as a request for inspiration, it also established that the poet was working within a long tradition. Um, before the stories were written down and more widely codified, singers would ask Calliope to speak through them as the guarantee of accuracy and validity of their retelling. Or Anyway, yeah, uh, that didn't okay. really make sense. But it did. Okay. <laughs> All the writers like Homer were working with established words. They included the invocation to tie their poems back to the long oral tradition that existed before them. Long after the written word had become the standard, poets continued to invoke Calliope in this tradition. Virgil and Ovid, both writing during the early Roman Empire, continued to invoke the Greek muses, particularly Calliope, when telling stories from Greek sources. The invocation continued to be used by writers who wrote on Greek themes, even after belief in mythology had faded. Dante's Inferno. Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Inferno. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. And Milton's Paradise Lost both used the classical invocation and tales that were inspired by ancient sources. <laughs> uh, Chaucer's uh, Troilus and Crusade. Crusade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. um, set during the Trojan War, um, included an invocation to the muses to establish its validity as a Greek tale. Shakespeare also called upon the muses in some of his plays and sonnets to link the histories he told of English kings to the great legends of the past. Mm -hmm. um, it says, as uh, the muse of poetry, Calliope inspired the words that the great writers of the ancient world used to tell the stories of her fellow gods and goddesses. Through their mother, Nemocene, um, the muses were granted perfect memories. Calliope could ensure not just the beauty of the poet's words, but also their accuracy. A poem inspired by Calliope, therefore, could be considered the absolute truth. Appaloof? Mm. It's the appaloof. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it's like an apple-shaped like loofah. I don't know. That's what <laughs> popped into my head. And now I want to take a shower. So there's that. <laughs> I just went immediately to like an Appaloosa, which is a type of horse. Oh, that's not what I was thinking. That's but, different. Okay. Yeah. I don't, oh. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, this is by invoking the muse, a poet ensured that the stories he sang about the gods and events of the past are correct. For many Greeks, uh, this was one of the best ways to learn the details of their mythology. Um, while temples dealt with rituals and ceremonies, the bards told stories of the lives, loves, and adventures of the gods. Calliope, therefore, also inspired the poets to tell stories about her own life. In them, she stood apart from her sisters. While many of the muses were virginal goddesses or at least never married, Calliope married an earthly king. She had sons and a domestic life away from her sisters in Mount Helicon. 
Um, she also inspired the stories told about her son, son uh, Orpheus. The greatest musician in history was remembered thanks to his mother's divinely inspired words forever. Calliope was, on the whole, a much more well-rounded and fleshed-out character than many other minor goddesses, including her own sisters. While the Greeks held the belief that she inspired the poets to write great epics, in truth, it was the devotion of these poets that made Calliope, their patroness, a singular being among the nine muses. Cool. Ta-da! Yay! Um, so, what was your Ijidoraswit moment from this week? <sighs> okay, so... Um, sometimes, uh, I pick Killian up after school and we go right to his karate dojo. Um, he likes to senpai for the younger classes and then he has his own class. So sometimes we're there for like two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, so like, I have to like get him food, pick him up. I let him play after school with his friends cause I'm kind. And then, <laughs> and then we get in the car, we drive there, you know, it's, it's a, it's almost half an hour to get there. So it's a good time for him to eat. You know what I mean? And then he does that. We get there, he changes, he goes out there and then we're there for hours. Right. So I have to like get everything ready before we go. Of course we do this on days that I podcast. So this is something I have to do like in the morning before we start. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, I have to get his key and his belt and all the food and an extra thing of water and, you know, deodorant, like whatever he might need, because if I don't bring it, he'll fucking need it. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, you know, I got to get all his sparring gear and his, you know, tambo stick or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So it's a lot to remember. Um, hopefully I've washed his gi, you know, <laughs> so, um, so this has worked out well. It's a lot of planning, but like, just got to remember everything. Okay. Um, so the other day, we do this. We get there. It's great. He brings his bag full of all his shit, you know, into the changing room. And then he comes out and he's like, where's my gi? I was like, what? It's in your bag. He's like, no, there's extra clothes in this bag. Because, you know, he gets to change it, whatever. He doesn't yeah. want to wear sweaty school clothes. Okay. Because oh. he does sweat, dear God. So, <laughs> so yeah. And he's like, it's not, it's not here. And I was like, well crap okay so it's like well you can still go out there he's like I can't I'm like you can kids you know sometimes don't have it with them for whatever reason sometimes it's you know getting patches applied to it and stuff like mm -hmm. you know it, it happens he's like okay I'll go out there and I was like okay he's like but you have to go get it okay I'll do that whatever he's gonna be there for three classes yeah fine my mom was there also like kids get dropped off there all the time is that's fine you know whatever yeah. the kid's comfortable with is fine so I was like well yeah. my mom is here you know mm -hmm. all right so, leave her there and just go and like yeah that's what I yeah exactly that's what I did so I go you know I'm coming back so like this is you know like almost an hour right mm -hmm. one way right well not one way but like to get there and to come back it's almost an hour so yeah. I'm like at the light before I would get to the dojo and my mom sends me this crappy text like where are you it's been almost an hour blah 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 and I'm like Dude, do you know how long it takes to get here you know, I know. <laughs> why are you making me feel shitty like I was actually faster because I was speeding yeah. you know, than I should have been and I was just so like really like I already feel terrible for forgetting this you know what I mean like it made Killian really uncomfortable to be there without it which I understand because then you stand out you know yeah. Or like, okay. But like, really? Like, okay. So I get there. He comes out of the class. I'm like, okay, here it is. You're going to change. He's like, no, I'm ready to go home. What? Like, 
I was so mad. I'd be like, put the damn thing on. You're going. I know. I was just like, uh, he was, he didn't feel good, you know? So, okay. Like, uh, that's fine. I'm not going to make him do it. You know, like he did his regular class. He doesn't need to stay in senpai more, you know? So, okay. So anyways, that's, that's all it was. I just felt so shitty for forgetting it. And I was talking to one of the senseis and I was like, oh, I forgot it because I'm the worst mom in the world. And he was like, I forgot my gi today. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> He's like, yeah, <laughs> fine, it happens. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. all right. But Killian was upset and probably was that all him not feeling very good? Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah. whatever. Anyway, I know now that uh, I just need to set all the alarms for every single thing that I <laughs> forgot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just I don't know. I felt I felt bad, but it's a small thing, not a big deal. But yeah. Yeah. And he was also wearing like really bright colors <laughs> that yeah. day, like his clothes. So I felt bad because it was like this sea of like white kids and then Killian and all this neon. Like, neon kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> so anyways, that's all it was. So uh yeah. what was your Ijit or Aspa moment? <laughs> so mine Let me start this off by saying I love my brother, but sometimes he has it in his head that what he's going to do is not listen, right? (laughs) Okay. So he came over and he was like, oh, like, I'll help you guys, like, stack wood and cut wood and all that sort of stuff. Um, Because we have this huge pile of, like, wood rounds that we got from somebody that um, we had to, like, split and stack and all that sort of stuff. Okay, fine, whatever. Mm (laughs) <laughs> so within these wood rounds there is this bee's nest right and Ugh. like if you and they're in the ground it's like those little like ground hornets or wasps or whatever the heck they are yeah if you disturb the ground they get mad right okay, <laughs> and so yeah. travis like told brady my brother like okay Go and take it far away to split it because if you're vibrating the ground, they're going to get mad, right? Yeah, right. And so my brother literally goes like six feet away from it. Oh, man. And starts chopping wood, right? And Travis is like, oh, you're probably going to want to go further than that. Like he kept kind of like, hey, dude, like, yeah, it's not going to end well, you know? Like, right. Yeah. My brother was just like, it'll be fine, you know? Oh, I'll just go right here or whatever. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm not just going to be like, dude what are you doing, you idiot, you know, like, and so he, my brother learned the hard way that bees do not like to be disturbed, and they start, like, swarming around, right, and he's like, okay, well, whatever, they'll just, like, stay over there or something, it's like, no, like, you're the one that's doing the things, they're gonna get mad at you specifically and try and take you out, right, right, (laughs) this one bee flew at his head, like, he was, I mean, my brother's, like, 6'6", right, so he's, like, big dude yeah all of a sudden you just hear him ah! and he like crouches down all weird and like runs <laughs> <Which> like, <laughs> sounds like a like a horror movie really that's what like, i'm thinking oh wait hold on a second you know like i've never seen him run like that <laughs> ever you know like yeah that fast or that far in that <laughs> position you know just like, what are you yeah doing? You know, like, oh, my God. He's like, oh, he's like, God, me, God, me. You know? oh, poor guy. I guess there was a bee that flew into his ear and, like, flew Ugh. straight into his ear canal, right? But, like, the the stinger was still outside and reached around and tagged him right on the outside of the ear, right? So Ugh. it, like, curled around the little, like, front part Whatever of that the is. ear yeah. and, like, 
tagged him right there, right? Oh. And he's like, oh, my God, I don't know if I'm allergic to bees. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Why like, would you risk all that if you're not sure if you're allergic to? Whatever. Like, okay. he ended up being fine, right? And it stung right. him for, like, it hurt for, like, a day or so, you know, because, like, mm-hmm. bee stings do not feel good. But it was literally, like, a little red dot. You know, like, that was okay. it. It didn't even, like, hive or welt or anything, you yeah, know. Like, lucky. it was, it was yeah. totally fine, you know. Mm-hmm. But, like... <laughs> He he was just like, oh, and I kind of wanted to be like, we well, both Travis and I kind of wanted to be like, dude, like, we literally told you, like, go away from the bees, but, like, yeah. you knew what you were doing, so. Yeah. <laughs> got stuck oh, in the man. head, you dummy, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Dang. So, yeah. He was kind of a little bit of an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. I would love to see that run. I think next time we hang out, you're going to have to recreate it for me. Because I really want to know. Like, I don't know if I can. It literally, he just like ducked down and like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like, you know how, have you seen Maisie when she's like kind of in trouble? She like slinks around and kind of runs around, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It was like that, but people form. You know? Like, <laughs> it was like slink running around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're poor brother. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't do that, you know? <laughs> yeah, you warned him. He did. He got warned a couple of times, but he just was like, oh, no, it's fine. You know, like, and not in that way, but it was just kind of like, he clearly, like, wasn't listening because he didn't think it was going to be an issue. And it's like, dude, like, I can feel the ground moving, me just standing here, mm-hmm. like, 20 feet away from you. You're going to go and chop the wood, like, six feet away from their nest? Like, no. You know? Yeah, right. Not going to end well, you know, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so. Well, I <laughs> he learned his lesson, so. Did. Hopefully sure he I, listened yeah. time slash maybe just know now that, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't do that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's lucky it didn't even hive. That's, that's impressive. Oh, yeah, it was just like a, like a kind of a dark red dot, you know, like. Yeah, that was that's it. good. There was nothing, like, it was a little bit red around it. You could tell because it was just, like, slightly inflamed. But even within, mm-hmm. like, a couple hours, it was just literally, like, a red dot. So. Yeah, awesome. It, and it hurt for, like, a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he just, I don't remember. He, like, put something on it or something that helped. But, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Dang. I've still never been stung by a bee. I'm like, I don't know. Killian hasn't either. So Yeah. I've know. been stung the one time that I really remember, I think I've told this story before. Um, I got a bee that had gotten, st- I think this was an idiot or asshole. Oh, really I think so. Where it was like, it was it like stuck, stuck in pants. your pants. And yeah, like, I remember that. The kids were like using those whistles and they weren't supposed to. So we were like running around trying to figure out where they were. Cause it was at Girl Scout camp. And if you use your whistle, you're in trouble. So people come running, you know, like yeah, right. that's what the whistle is for, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, ah, tweet. And it's just like, no. Like, yeah. no. And so, anyways, this bee got me, like, a ton of times in the same spot, and I ended up getting, like, a venom trail that was, like, running up my leg. And I'm like, Ugh. um, this is bad. This is really bad. You know? Yeah. Like, that would freak me right out. Multiple times. So, I don't know if it was because it got me multiple times in, like, the same exact spot, or if it was because, like, I'm kind of allergic or what. I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. Not that, fun. No. No. It burns, like, fire. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, like, I guess, like, you don't, so, like, the first time you get stung, if you're allergic, like, you're not going to show that you have an allergy, but it's, like, the second time, right? That's what everyone's telling me. I've we never We talk about before. this a lot at Killian School because there is 
like on the playground area where we let all the kids hang out after school, right? Mm -hmm. There's like, there's a bee's nest somewhere and they're always like coming around the parent group and like one of them stung um, my neighbor's little um, two-year-old the other day Mm -hmm. who was just standing there, like wasn't squatting at it or anything. It was just kind of flying around and we were like, ah, trying to move away from it. And it just like wouldn't stung him. Yeah. uh, So yeah, everyone's like, oh, the second time you get stung, that's when you'd have the allergic reaction. So Okay. I've never heard that before ever. It seems to be like what everybody is telling me. And we talk about bees a lot because they're always fucking Mm. right there fucking with us. So, yeah, um, yeah, I didn't know that either. I don't know. I'll have to ask my aunt if that's like a legit thing Mm because she's a doctor. So she would know. (laughs) I'd be like, hey, like, I've even heard that that's true with like sting or does it take more than one? You know, I've even heard that that's true with like a peanut allergy, which I would love to know if that's true or not. So ask her that. So too. I have a friend that is allergic to peanuts, like really bad. And the first yeah. time she had peanuts, it got her. Huh. Okay. So yeah, I, I don't really want to. Well, that's what I had heard too. So I was surprised when I heard that. Um, but yeah, ask her about the bees. I really would love to know yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at edges and aspects podcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgits and Aspets, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your Idgit and Aspet moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.